0: Where's Ralph? Hey, he's over there, hogging the hell of a good dip for his big game ritual. Oh, boy. Hey, Ralph, can we get some of that, too? Yeah, yeah, soon. Almost done. First the carrot, two taps and dip. Then the celery. Ah, yes, now the chips. All dipped in creamy. Hell of a good dip. Mmm, delicious. Yes, it worked! Get the dip made with real milk and cream that wins every time. Not just good, hell of a good. Hello, this is Jim the Keys, bartender, coming to you from Key Largo. Let me stop the music here. Still playing. The music's still playing. How was your weekend? It was busy where I was here in Key Largo. Father's Day. Father's Day seems to be so much busier than Mother's Day. I don't get it. You know? I mean, they were... Throughout the dinner at our place and stuff, every place was swamped. Uh, restaurants down here seem to be having difficulty difficulties staffing. And uh, you know, we've spoke about this before. It just seems like you know everyone's trying to guess They say they don't feel like working and things like that. But the is there are stories out there about record numbers of people quitting. And that could be a function of job availability. Because a lot of people, if there's very few jobs around, imagine during the Depression when there was 30% unemployment and there was no unemployment insurance that people rarely quit their jobs you know it's just if there's a you know if there's a ton of sand on the beach people are more likely to throw away a cup of sand if there's only a, a little a limited quantity I know that's a shitty metaphor The shitty but think of precious metals if there's a un- if there was an unlimited supply of gold the price of gold would drop So the same thing goes for jobs. If there's tons of jobs out there, people's perception of the value of keeping a job that they're not happy with, it becomes easier for them to decide to quit. Now, there is a problem with that mentality being able to quit when you know you know you're able to get another job and that's with not never being satisfied with the job that you have some people th- say that's a good thing i am more likely to say that it is probably works out to be negative because it reduces our ability to absorb aggravation and translate it into being able to function. So when you let aggravation build up, build up, build up, and you feed it, just think about that. Once you're fed up with someone and you decide you're fed up with someone, you start looking for things that piss you off, that goes on for jobs, institutions, political parties. Think of that attitude. Whatever you dislike. I'm from Philadelphia. I'm going to make we're going to be going all over the place about th- things like that, but I'm going to I'm going to pick I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan for the longest time. I had an animosity towards Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys. And they used to be a really good team at one time. They used to be called America's team. Some people still call it that, but I would suggest if it's America's team, you should have, you know, be, recently have won something, which they haven't since the 90s. So, see, even then I'm saying something like that. But I developed such an animosity, and there's so many people from my area that and around the country that dislike them that they're just aggravated hearing from them and hearing about them. Uh, a lot of things go with the, the Patriots and things like that, but that can extend to people and jobs and situations, your everyday life. When you get fed up with your everyday life and you just say, well, it's always the same, it's always the same aggravations, it's always the things, you everything you see, you only see those things. It's hard not to see the things that aggravate you all the time. If it's driving into work and getting stuck in traffic, that aggravates you. If if it's getting up in the morning and being tired, that aggravates you. It's seeing associated people with that source of aggravation. That could be the whole job, and then you start disliking everyone. Your body can really do a number on you. And I'm saying it's your body, it's your mind and your body doing a number on you when you decide you don't like something. I try to break that pattern. Because your head will tell you tons of shit when you're going into a job. Your everyday job is saying you're better than this. You should get more from it. You should get more respect. They're not treating you the correct way. You're not being paid enough. You're not given enough consideration. They value the customer over me. And if you're telling yourself that, you're going to believe it. And it becomes ingrained in you. And that's the way your job is. Now, sometimes that's the employer's fault. Sometimes employers are really shitty at doing that. So post-pandemic with the excess jobs, and an undersupply of workers. Shitty workplaces are the first one to feel the pinch. Now, we used to have a pool of people that would take shitty jobs and not complain. And they'd wait outside of places to get those shitty jobs. Remember prior pandemic, maybe, what was it? 13, 14 years ago, people waiting in line for jobs to apply for a really good job. What they think is a good job. Maybe something with health care and benefits and things like that. And you'd have tons of applicants. You'd have 10 openings, you may have 200 applicants. It's like a really prestigious school where there's only 5,000 admitting freshmen and there's going to be 50,000 applications. You know, it's that demand that motivates people when you see it, when you're lining up for it. Now when there's an excess of it, you undervalue. So the jobs are getting undervalued now. Having a decent job. Think of all the gig work out there. Uber, DoorDash, TaskRabbit, I, I, myself, I just got a call from a title agent in Connecticut. I'm working a double today, as referenced by the title of the show. And someone called up and said, hey, you're a notary. Do you do closings, real estate closings? And I don't know who it is, so I'm not giving anything away. The person's arriving by boat. In the keys. It sounds like a wealthy person, right? They're arriving by boat. And they need to have someone to come and do a real estate closing. I think it was probably a selling thing. But I can't. I can't do it today. Because I'm working. And chances are. I'm working daytime. I would have made more doing the signing. And it would have taken me half as long. Than I would be working, and this just happened two minutes before I started podcasting. Now I can think in my head, "Oh fuck, I got to go into Monday Day and do do my job, get paid half or a third less, one third of the total that I would have made doing the signing." You know, I don't think of it that way. I think of it as a commitment I made. This job, this bartender job I have, provides, provided for a long time the lion's share of the income that I was able to support my family. And they were very accommodating to me. And I'm happy to do it because I look over it as a couple years. I don't look at it as one job. I guess that's the blessings of being older. Because the more responsibilities you have, the more you realize that you can do this and stuff. And you may say, hey, you're trapped. You got things you got to do. And I said, I'm not trapped. I have obligations. I obligated myself to. And that's a job. And I'm happy to fulfill that because you know what? Tomorrow I will still have my job. I am not gonna, I don't have to work tomorrow. But I'll still have my job. I can go on Wednesday. I have all weekend and things like that. And eventually I can go on vacation. I told him about that. No problem with that. There's things I don't get that regular people get. But I, am regular jobs, non-service industry jobs, but there's more flexibility here for me, for what I need to do, like podcasts, like do my notary signings, like do my spin instruction at the hospital, at the gym there. So I get to do all these things because of the leeway my main job gives me. And sometimes it gets a little tight. People get a little testy. We get a little busy. And sometimes we deal with some difficult, we deal with difficult people. But mostly, like yesterday, I dealt, it sounds like sarcastic when saying, I dealt with wonderful people. I really enjoyed their company. It was very busy yesterday. I got an opportunity to talk to a lot of nice people. Matter of fact, I'm going to talk about it after end. There was uh, when I came into work yesterday. Someone said, "Hey, someone came in and they asked about you," and then he told me a little additional information. But and that kind of made my day too. And sometimes you get, you know, you can't control your attitude, and you let other things that are not going well in your life affect your job where you know an employer and this is old school like pre-20th century pre-employment law you know we're going back where it used to you know whenever you someone you give them a finger they'll take the whole hand you ever hear that one so years ago Years and years ago, before there was rules of employment and things like that. An employer could require you to work seven days a week. They could require you to work twelve hours a day. They didn't have to give you day off on Sunday. And then they started doing weekends off. They went to a five-day work week and then they realized, you know, people just didn't last that long. They got burned out. Now they're starting to realize that some countries and places think a three-day work week would be appropriate I three three out of seven days I I, I don't necessarily see how that would work but it could be mean there's more jobs but then you'd have to pay more for the days that people work in order to provide the benefits and be able to give them enough resources so they can stock some away for the day they can't work anymore so, you know, that's just the way it is. And the so like in the old days, you didn't have any... If your, uh, your employer decided to harass you, told you I had to work 12 hours, they told you... I mean, there was no such thing as time and a half many years ago. After 40 hours or after... Yeah, I was working in college at a... Circuit board company that later I after I after way after college I worked for them again as a salesperson, but they made the circuit boards for you know electronics where you put components on. And when I was in college, I was do I was working in the fabrication end of it. We were putting laminate on these bare circuit boards. They're covered with copper, and you had to put they put an image on. The circuit boards and they plate metal on the unexposed areas that the film was cleared from. And so they would, that's how they developed the circuit. They used to etch the metal away from by putting them in baths and having them and plate the area that's left over. It's, it's, it's a complicated process, but once you've been through it, it's not that tough. But there was a lot of times there was be orders. It wasn't a company that we were a provider. We were a circuit board provider. So there was maybe 40, 50 different companies we made circuit boards for, and some had larger runs than others. And we get big orders sometimes, and they say, listen, we got to get this done. We got to get this done, and then ask you to work like twelve hours a day and things like that. And we had a meeting, and they were talking about how they needed everyone's uh, forbearance on it. And the gentleman who was the production manager at the time ha- had us in the meeting. He was talking. He says, "Listen,
1: you—you you don't
0: have any choice. You got to work overtime." I said, "You can't—you you can't really force people to work overtime." At least in the state of Pennsylvania, it was at the time. It wasn't a right work state. He says, Well, we pay you time and a half. We're getting like they're giving it to us. And I say, You have to give us time and a half. It's a law. You know, it's not something you're doing. I mean, if you're really going to do something good, you pay us double. (laughs) And he said, Well, we're not making more money for double. I say, I know. He said we're not getting paid more if we're just getting putting more product out there and I said yes I understand. And that's the that's the hard thing about it. You want, you know, you want us to work, you know, 12 hours in one day, 4 days a week, 5 days a week, 6 days a week and you know, I mean it wasn't great pay. But I did it. I didn't quit the job. I mean, I had to leave the job when school started up again. It was, it was a pretty shitty job. Matter of fact, I'm sure people got sick from all the chemicals and the things that they had. But we did it. And, you know, the, it, wasn't, it wasn't fun. It was monotonous, even though not every job was the same. But the people you deal with and things like that. And that's just the way life is. For people. Some people just see the monotony. And then they see the aggravation. And they see the injustice. And you you bring it into your job. And you dwell upon it. And you think you can do better than this. And you listen to your friends. Oh, you could work any place you want. You can work any place you want. But the problem is, yeah, you can work any place you want. There's one thing that's always going to be the same. And you probably heard this before. It's going to be you. It's going to be that fucking attitude you have. And with that shitty attitude, the next place is probably going to be the same. There's going to be some things you really like about it and other things you don't. I've had jobs. And when people are trying to hire somebody, especially in a in a down market, when I say a down market... Where the supply of employees is low and the supply of job is high and you're just looking for somebody, they're going to try to make it as attractive as possible. And they're not going to tell you, well, the bad thing about this is. And I had those jobs. They tell you everything about it. it is wonderful and the things you got to do this and you got to do that. But. You know when you're getting take it with a grain of salt, it's gonna be a job. And some jobs are very exciting. Some jobs are very exciting. There's people that go in, there's process analysts that go into a company and they look out they're they're consultants and they'll look at someone's process and say with fresh eyes and say, "Could you do it this way? Could you do it that way? Would this make the job more efficient?" You know, maybe you should pay, these people are critical to your operation, maybe you should pay them a premium, things like that. That's an exciting job. I think my job's an exciting job because I get to meet different people all the time. Now, sometimes people can get you down if they try to get you down because they're not, in the, you know, sometimes, you know, everyone that walks into a business, especially a restaurant, they don't necessarily have your best interest in mind and they bring in their own problems and you get to deal you know you deal with it as much or as deeply as you decide to if someone's being unreasonable you have an option you go and get someone, your coworker and your manager and say, listen, I think this person's being a little unreasonable, maybe you can work with him. and then they can and you know, they can take it with the fresh eyes and they can say, No, they are difficult. But there's other times when the people aren't being difficult and you think they're difficult because you decided that. Just gotta watch out at getting into that attitude. I think it's happening a lot now, and it's gonna be tough for people when the job market starts tightening up again. Eventually, it will. I mean, they, people can't just turn down jobs all the time, can they? Eventually, there's going to be a need. Well, just the other day, and that's yesterday, I came into work. And one of my current co-workers said, a gentleman stopped in. And she wasn't sure what his name was. She said Todd. And he was from Pennsylvania. And that he was a podcast listener. And he listened to the Keys Bartender. So finally, well finally, it happens every month, every other week. We're getting more and more people stopping in. If you come in, tell them who you are. Tell them you're here from, if you come into to the catch restaurant at My Marker 102 in Key Largo, tell them you, you, you're a podcast listener and you came in here because I heard about it and I was hoping to see Jim. And they missed me by a couple hours. I don't know if they might be in today. They might not, be, you know, they may be in tomorrow where I'm not going to be. Now, I might get called in tomorrow. Who knows? I'm off tomorrow night. I mean, all day. But I'm not dwelling upon that, and it would be nice. It's always nice when someone comes in and says that they're a listener, and i, l- I love to see that. Uh, but it would have been nice, too, if I knew who it was. So if you are coming down here, send an email to jim at keysbartender.com. I'll tell you if I'm going to be there or not, if you're, you're planning on doing it that day, or I'll tell you my schedule. Yeah, I'll tell you my schedule. And uh, who knows? I might stop in. I might be doing a show there because I think tomorrow I'm going to try to do that as long as it's not rainy because I'm going to try to do it on our deck. It's going to be hot. It's going to be a fucking hot summer. Hot summer. But I'm hoping to see more people like Danny from Tennessee. He might be coming down here this summer. Uh, I don't know if it was Todd, whoever. The person you spoke to yesterday, if you're a listener, they didn't quite. Uh, they're not as motivated to remember names. So, you know, you can leave a message if you're there or not. I, I wish I was there at the time. I would have personally came over and said hello to you. And if you come in today, if you're a listener today, come in today. I should be there by, we open up at 1130 and I'll be there till close, 9 o'clock tonight. At the Catch Restaurant, mile marker 102. And happy hour is 3.30, from, uh, 3.30 to 6.30. 3.30 to 6.30. We had a wonderful band this weekend. I said that we haven't been doing bands. And we're a smaller venue. So we had a guitar player and a vocalist. It was Kelly and Rich. And Ke- uh, Kelly, she uh, she has a beautiful voice lovely voice, and Rich is a wonderful acoustic guitar player. And they, they do wonderful together. And it was it's just like the perfect sound for that size. Now, there's a lot of places. Uh, someone asked me yesterday and said, hey, where's a place to go to listen to kind of Jimmy Buffett type music? And there's a lot of places like that in town, but I just don't know of them. I mean, you got the Sharkies. You know, If you do stop in town, let me tell you some of the places you can stop. You know I work at The Catch, so if you want to come and see me, I'm at The Catch. You won't see me hanging out to too many different places because I don't drink anymore. But you have Sharky's. Uh, they also have a restaurant there. It's right on the canal. There's uh, That's a fun place. There's Skippers. They have live entertainment. I don't know about the Jimmy Buffett stuff. but And then they have the place where i had the first date with my with the abby with it, which is what's the name of that key largo it's at the marriott at 104 it's drawing a blank drawing a blank there's a bar there and they have live entertainment there most nights you have the caribbean club they don't do caribbean clubs more or a rock or, uh uh, country rock place or uh, some blues stuff. So that's a Caribbean club. We might be doing a show there on a Thursday. Who knows? The problem is the Wi Fi, right? I have to have Wi Fi if I'm going to do podcasts and stuff like that. But I'm going to probably do that maybe for on the outside. I'll, se- I'll set up and do something there. I got to do it. Now's the time to do it because I can't do it when my girls are around because otherwise. I, 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 it was a quandary for me to do my sh- live show someplace on the two days I have off, right? I, I work five nights a week, and that's five nights I, I don't spend with my family until I come home at 10, 11 o'clock, and usually they're ready for bed, and that's it. So Tuesday and Thursday night, I had to leave for myself. So until I start making money doing the podcast... I really can't take off those nights. Now, I do intend to start if, you know, four hundred episode 465. You know, Jim, if you're going to start making money, I think you probably would have started making money earlier than this, right? You really do stick to it a long time. You know what? It's not a job right now. I don't get paid to do it. I mean, I get a little money from listeners because I don't listen listen that often. But I did do a little research. And the one thing... I was always reluctant about getting the sponsors because I don't want to be able to be answerable to people that can control the thing I really that's my thing. It's like telling someone telling you how to raise your child. Is that something you like to do is someone to tell you well, you should treat your pet like this and this and this, and you got to take their advice you gotta. So people, you know, it's like having another, you know, parent or being back in school. It's like a regular job. And I just started talking about a regular job. But it's not a regular job. This is my, I don't want this thing that I do now, the podcast, to be a thing that I'm reluctant to do. That it's like, oh, fuck, I got to go and do a podcast. I feel better after doing a podcast I feel better after doing my spin class, even though there's some things I had to do to do the, podcast. I'm, I'm, to do the spin class and I have to stay current on some things. I, I've, I've made the connection that there's a correlation between turning something from an avocation into a vocation. Avocation is something you really enjoy doing. A vocation is the thing you do in life. An avocation of vocation could be the same thing if you really love what you're doing. There's a rarity among that. You know, there's certain things. There's, you got uh, people that are famous, celebrities, and they're famous for doing something, but they really hate their fame they hate their fame now they may not pursued fame for the sake of fame but they got it and if they don't like their the fans and they don't like people following them that's one of the things where you hate that and you always see these actors and they just kind of drop out cuz they're tired of it every so often there's people they're shy and they don't I don't want to talk to anybody else I'm done kelly mcgillis remember that hot brunette for you older people in top gun and witness the actress she's an older woman now she used to live in key west i don't know if she's in key west anymore but she had a, a place down in key west and we were friends on facebook i apologize kelly for saying you're an older woman but she is an older woman she's a couple years older than me she's in her 60s I guess I hope I'm not speaking out of line wouldn't she be in her 60s she yeah, she'd be in her she's in her lower 60s like 63 64 maybe now I'm just doing my math I'm not doing it because of the way you look Kelly because you're, you're a lovely woman uh, but she stopped acting for a reason but she was still on social media but she wasn't like a media whore, and I hate to use that's a misogynistic term. But whores are men and women, in my eyes. It may be hurtful to some women more saying it, but I truly believe that. That's the same thing like when you call a person a bitch. A, a bitch, in my eyes, can be a guy or a girl. A tactical term for a bitch is a, is a, is a female dog. But I'm using the term for someone who bitches. Okay? The same thing as the C word, the P word, the D word, the F word. You know, we used to like say, what the fuck? We don't mean coitus. We don't need fornification. We use it as a... It's an exclamatory. So... To get back to the point there, people that are famous sometimes don't like the attributes that are attributed to famous, and that's being followed around. It's just one of those things. Now, I wouldn't I wouldn't categorize, categorize my thing as that, but those of you in a small town have some kind of knowledge on how or what it's like to be famous. And this is how I'm going to do it. In a small town, everybody knows who you are, right? Everybody knows who you are. Now, they know who everyone else is too. But just imagine that. Separate the thing where you know everybody. Think that you have short you know, you have a, a dementia problem and I, know, I don't make light of dementia. But imagine everyone knowing you and you having no idea who they are or where you know them from. And they go up, hey Jim, hey hey Karen, hey, hey Tim, hey um, Shawnice, Tabitha. You know, all I'm just going through different names. I don't want to just say oh got another name I got someone calling me. But it's a live podcast and they don't really understand. I can't really take a call. It's probably but oh, you like my ringtone? Little Queen. We will rock you or We Are the Champions or something like that. Oh so distracting. So what I was getting at, imagine you Everyone knows you. You have no idea who they are. That's like having being a person in a small town with Alzheimer's, walking around where everyone knows you. You don't know who they are, and you got to show appreciation for who they are. I go, "Oh, thank you, thank you very much," and this and that. That is similar to the fame, and when you work let's say as a bartender in a place and you sit, you're standing behind a bar and people are walking in and they don't all sit at the bar and you don't see them on a regular basis and don't want to introduce yourself and you see them far, far. Unless there's a reason for you to contact them, you don't, you don't have a reference point. You don't have a reference point of where people are coming from. And when they're, they come and say, hey, so-and-so, Usually when they're green, they like you. There's people that say, oh, that's that bartender from the catch. He's always there. I don't like him so much. (laughs) He's cocky. He's full of himself. He thinks he fucking knows everything. And he always has something to say. I'm saying this shit about myself. He's never straight. He makes up a lot of stories. Now... On that last note that that person said, and that person was me that said it about me, I've had people say, you know, you're a liar. I said, don't let my entertaining short storytelling become a badge for a liar. I'm not a liar because a liar doesn't tell you right at the end of making a story that's entertaining that, no, that's not true. I scrupulously... Tell people at the end of some fictional thing that I just made up, no, that's not true. So they don't walk away with that false information. If they didn't enjoy it, then I didn't do my job right, or they don't have a fucking sense of humor. And if they don't have a fucking sense of humor, that's more their problem than my problem. And if you're going to the bar to ask advice or ask some questions and things like that, be ready. Because we have had the tools for several years, smartphones and computers, tablets, for asking questions and getting tons of answers from. So when you ask a person that's only going to come back with one or two references, not like 200 pages of information, be ready for some misinformation. And I try to make mine entertaining. So that's there. So, Saturday was Juneteenth, and Juneteenth, if you're not aware of, is the new federal holiday that commemorates um, the slaves in the United States learning that they were free. It uh, commemorates a date in June 1865 where a Union general came into Texas. And this was after the end of the Civil War. People didn't go around like the South. and say, well, we lost, so you're all free. They had to be told. They had to be told, and they had to have occupying troops tell people, say, nope, you're not allowed to own slaves anymore. And that was the dissemination of the knowledge that slavery is over, which is a pretty big fucking thing because we did talk about the numbers and... We do Passover. I mean, we do Passover, but the Jews do Passover, and everyone knows about Passover. And, you know, that commemorating the plight of Jewish slaves in Egypt from almost 4,000 years ago or 3,300 years ago, whatever the date was. But Ancient history: six hundred thousand people. We they and they should. They should if they're going to commemorate a supposed thing that happened, right? But we know that over three point nine million African Americans were held in slavery at the height of slavery in the in eighteen sixty, and that's how many people were freed five times, over five times, maybe seven and a half times as many uh, as there were estimated Jews in Egypt. They left. I think they deserve a holiday. But the thing about that holiday, this is where I get in trouble, is I, as a white person, who's only one... Part of my family was probably in America prior, prior to uh, eighteen hundred. That's my grandmother's side, the Pennsylvania German, and because of their religious thing, uh, uh, they were Pennsylvania Dutch. They don't have a history of slave owning in the United States, and so that's there. And the rest of them arrived right prior to the Civil War, but they lived in the North where there was a much lower rate. A lot of people make the mistake there was slavery in the North. It was just abolished by the time most of it was abolished during the, uh, uh, prior to uh, the Civil War. All the slavery wasn't in, in, in just in the South. It's just, you know, they just stopped doing it up North more because of industrialization and the way agriculture was um, uh, being done. So, how do we commemorate as white people and as a member of the, uh, you know, a group that were, were the oppressors? We need to say, hey, listen, you appreciate it, you go and say, listen, happy Juneteenth, and you go, um, You know, some of them, you know, down here in the South, there's some old families and saying they owned slaves, and I'm sure there were members that actively fought to preserve it. What's the appropriate response? What's the appropriate way to celebrate? You go and see it, you learn about it, you just say, "Hey, remember my view of history and stuff like that." People are victims of historical things that happened. Horrible things that happen. And oftentimes oppressors change. But it's an advanced civilization always oppresses a less advanced civilization. And don't read that as smarter, less smart. It's just the way it is technology was. And I'm not making light of those things because it's very important to commemorate that. It's a note in history. We do it for we do it like I said. We do it for Passover. Why shouldn't we do it for free? Freeing of slaves that was less than one hundred and sixty years ago. If they can, if there's holidays, holidays from thirty two hundred years ago, why not one hundred sixty? One is, you know, one twentieth as far away. One twentieth. You like how he did the math? He said math skills as a bartender. So I will commemorate I think I'm, I'm starting the way, I'm starting to think about it, just like I would the Holocaust. My job is to commemorate it as a recognition, recognizing that it was a thing that occurred, recognizing a thing that wasn't a, it was a good thing to free, but slavery was a bad thing, just like uh, Passover or the Holocaust. There's Holocaust Remembrance Day. That's not necessarily a national holiday and things like that, but recognition of what happened, how it happened, why why it happened. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to learn again about slavery because it's still going on. We have to learn about slavery because it's part of our history and it affects the way we treat different people here in the United States and that there's a... I mean, it may piss off some of you, but there's, there's still repercussions to it. Think about it. There's people that have birth records for their family in Ireland from the 1700s. African Americans in the United States, because they were kidnapped and brought over here, they may not even know, except through a DNA test, where exactly what region they came from. Because birth records and things are non-existent. So, you know, this. remember this thing we talk about these people that think that United States is a white Christian nation which historically wasn't. It was mainly it was Native American first and then there was a, a significant portion of African Americans along with white colonists. There were Um, colonists that arrived in a place that was already occupied that decided to make it their own I'm not saying I'm not saying we shouldn't be here now because my family left the places I imagine they left the places they were at not because they were having a great time it's like do people leave parties they're having a good time at if you are at a good party do you see people at a bar and say oh We were at this party, and let's say the party's still going on. It was great. Why'd you leave? Uh, I don't know. I decided to come here. It was such a fucking great party. Oh, you know, they may say they kicked us out. Oh, well, okay, I understand. Well, some people arrived, and they were pretty nasty. Fucking Nazis, you know, so we left. Okay, I understand that. Um, oh, we weren't ha- it was a horrible, you know, you mainly when you see people come over and they say, it was a fucking horrible party. It, they acted like they didn't even want us there. They didn't have any food, they didn't have any drink, no entertainment. So we heard there was a good party over here. It was a good time, so we came here. Oh, well, that makes sense. And that's why people go to other countries, unless, unless they are kidnapped. Enslaved and brought over in chains. They didn't come over here. It wasn't like a thing, hey, get on this boat. Hop on this boat, and then we come over and, you know, oh, I'm sorry, you're slaves. Nope, they didn't do that. They didn't leave willingly. And once they uh, freed them, where are you going to send them back to? What, you didn't you didn't keep records of where they're from why would you assume just to plop them someplace like they did in Liberia people said well we can't keep them here that's stupid you're I mean it's a racist argument and it's a, a stupid and racism could be stupid too because racism there's as we said previously in previous shows, there is no scientific basis for race theory. When I say not critical, I'm not saying critical race theory. There's, there's Race is a characteristic. Skin color, hair color, eye color, that's along the same lines. And that's the only thing. Scientifically, I'm not talking one of those things pie in the sky. There's only one race, and it's a human race. With... Different groups of people with different characteristics. Are you getting me? That's pretty much it. So I think in the future I'll just commemorate it by learning about it. Learning about what it was like. Um, And, you know, knowing those things and being aware of it, that's probably one of the biggest things people want. They want acknowledgement that it occurred. The Germans did it about the Holocaust. I mean, there's rules about it. There's against the law to deny the Holocaust in Germany. There are laws against it. I mean, but there's people in the United States right now think that, well, slavery may not have been that bad. Mm, you fucked up there. That's not necessarily true. Well, this is... I'm going to end on that no- note. I don't mean to be so negative about that stuff, but... Uh, thinking positive thought. I know it's controversial. and May not understand that, but I'm sure there's some kind of white supremacist thing you can go to if you want. Go to your go to your uh, white Christian nationalist podcast. You can go to your KKK podcast, your Three Percenter podcast, your Proud Boys podcast, whatever you want to. It's not going to happen here. And if it pisses you off, there are places for you to go. There's a place for you. Okay? Don't come to me and tell me you don't like what I have to say because you don't have to listen to it. I know. I apologize that your ears were assaulted. <laughs> but if you don't understand that, yeah, maybe it's time for, time for everyone to move on. But if you do understand it, share this show with your friends and your family. And have a great day. And send me an email, Jim and Keys Bartender, if you're coming, jim at com. And if you like to listen to the show, you can always go to the website and download the show from the website or get feeds from the website. And that's www.keysbartender.com, so you don't have to go to someplace else if you don't want to. That's you. Okay? Thank you very much. I'm going to play some music, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going to be coming from. I'll probably start one at home, and I'll probably do one from the uh, from a restaurant. Talk to you later. Bye.